Okay, good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's always so good to see you guys. It's face. Thank you, those who are here and those who are um, going to be listening online, uh, watching Facebook Live or actually listening on the podcast. Thank you guys for being a part uh, of this class with us. Uh, so just as usual, we will start with a prayer. Maybe this is a little bit too loud. Father, we just come before your holy throne this morning. We surrender ourselves. We humble our, our hearts. We humble ourselves before you. We seek your face. We seek to, to hear from you. We seek, oh God, to fellowship with you. The word says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, oh God. And we just bow in reverence before your holy throne. And we just cast out our crowns before your feet. And we say you are our God. You are our redeemer. You are our salvation. You are our solid rock. Father, give us ears to hear you. Give us a heart that understands, O oh God. We surrender in everything to you, O oh God. And we say, be enthroned in our midst. Make us, O oh God, living vessels of praise unto you, Abba Father. Teach us your ways. Teach us your word. Show us your, your ways. Show us your glory. And let your name be glorified in our lives and in our midst. Father, wherever anyone is hearing, I ask, O oh God, for you who is the one planting the seeds to do the planting. You who is the one who is watering the plants to do the watering. And you, O oh God, who brings the increase to bring the increase. We trust in you. We hold on to you. We worship you. We bow in exaltation. We bow in reverence. We bow in worship before your holy throne. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so it's been a little while, so we'll do a recap of uh, what we did before Sister Isaiah will actually the, It's too loud. Maybe I should actually just, maybe I should, should I just use my voice? No, no, don't worry. Okay, just, okay, all right. Gotcha. Just, but, okay, all right. All right. Okay, so, uh, so over the last three weeks, Isaiah has been teaching us assault comments. Uh, which is a good segue be- between the two sections that I've broken this into. So I'll do a quick recap on what we had talked about before uh, Sister Isiama taught us about the salt covenant, okay? So the whole idea that we're trying to talk about is unity within the body of Christ, right? And I said I was going to break it into two parts. The first part that we talked about was complete oneness, which is oneness in Christ, Right? And the other part, which I was going to uh, uh, break it into, the second part, which we are going to dive into today, is uh, harmony or being at peace with one another. Harmony in the body of Christ or being at peace with one another. So I'll do a quick recap on what we talked about when we talked about complete oneness. We went and we read through John chapter 17, which is the prayer that Jesus uh, prayed for his disciples. And we will go and read it one more time. But key takeaways that we have from that is that we have to be in the Son who is in the Father. And the Father is in the Son who is also in us. The Son is also in us, right? This is the oneness that will lead the world to actually believe, right? And then another takeaway is that he has given us his glory that the Father gave him. So that we may come into complete unity. So I'm going to, re- re- I'm going to rephrase those two takeaways. Uh, I'm going to summarize those two takeaways first. One is the glory causes us to come into complete unity. And that complete unity is what causes people to know 
that God sends Jesus. Right? And then two, being in the Son and the Son being in us causes people to actually believe that God sent Jesus into the world. Right? Now, when we come into complete unity, the world will actually know that God sent Yeshua, that God sent Jesus, and that God loves us just as he loves Jesus. And you got to understand, if God loves us just as he loves Jesus, he's going to, Paul says, together with him, give us all things, right? Because when God, you know, when God laid, him, laid the, the sin, all of our sins on him, and he had to die on that cross, God did not allow him to suffer corruption. God raised him up from the dead. And that's why it says, together with him, we are raised up and seated in heavenly places with him. Right? And Paul says, shall he not together with him give us all things? So if you understand the level of love that God has for the son, you have to, Jesus is telling us that, so that you will know that the father loves you just as he loves me. Right? So we will go and read that prayer one more time, which is John chapter 17. And I'm also going to, um, I'm going to read another verse once we read John 17. But let's read John 17 again. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. I want us to pay key attention to Jesus asking for the Father to glorify him so that in turn he may glorify the Father because we also talked about how Moses asked God in Exodus 33, show me your glory, right? All right, that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They, have, they were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them, and they have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. So I pay key attention to some of the key phrases he's using. That they know, that they have known. And then that they believe. Those two things, right? And these are the things that he's saying that will happen once we come into complete oneness. The, the world knowing and the world believing, right? Because it's God's desire that all should come unto life and none should perish, right? So this is why he's given his son as a gift for, that we may have eternal life. But he keeps saying that they, may, that they have known, that they have believed. So one is the knowing and the other one is the believing. And this is what we are called into, right? So I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours and all mine are yours and you are mine. And I'm glorified in them. I am glorified in them. Are you living a life that glorifies Jesus? 
Now I am no longer in the world, but these are the world. These are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word has, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them, your name, and we declare that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Amen. So you see Jesus continuously saying the fact that, you know, the world has to know. The world has not known God. The world has not known who God is. But this is eternal life. To know God and to know Jesus, whom you sent into the world. This is eternal life. Right? And his desire is not that any man should perish, but that all should come unto salvation and unto the knowledge of the truth. I want to look at something here. <clears throat> when Jesus is talking about how um, that we come into complete unity, that way the world will actually know that the Father sent him, right? How are we glorifying him, right? Because he says, I have given them my glory. The glory which you gave me from the foundation of the world. I have given them my glory that they may come to complete oneness. Right? So how is he talking about this glory? Let's look at um, John 14, 12, where Jesus says, Greater works than these will, will, will you do. Right? These are the things where we begin to glorify Jesus. There's a friend of mine who, who he asked me a question. He says, why do we preach the gospel? I said, so people can be saved. He said, that's not the only reason why we preach the, the gospel. We preach the gospel so that Jesus may be glorified. Because in this prayer, Jesus says, glorify me, Father, with the same glory that I had with you. We preach the gospel so that Jesus may be glorified on the earth. So John chapter 14, verse 12. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Right? He has given us that same glory. And we ought to be walking in that glory and doing the works. Because he definitely said there's works to do. He says the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than this. This is how we glorify him. This is how we cause the world to see. In oneness, if we're doing what he called us to do. In oneness and in unity, this is how the world will see his glory. All right, let's go to, I'm going to read a couple of things because I also need to kind of branch it. There's a lot of scriptures that I was kind of hoping to get through today. I was going to get us to branch into um, where Moses talks about, uh, show me your glory, which is in Exodus 33, uh, 12, verse 19. We already talked about that. We don't need to reread that again. Um, but a couple of scriptures I just want to add into that before we go into um, harmony with one another. Uh, so one thing I want to remind you guys is when I was uh, talking about this topic the last time, I told you guys that the, the trigger for this was how, uh, you know, the war in Israel has caused a lot of disunity in the church. And I, I was kind of grieved in my spirit after talking to and arguing with one friend and telling him that um, about what I thought uh, the war was and what I think that God is doing in this time. Um, and I started to be grieved in my spirit and to say, you know, why is there so much disunity in the church? Why are we so uh, divided? And uh, I, could, I could feel the spirit pressing to me that that is not disunity. You can, you can disagree. That's why they call dis- agree to disagree, right? The church is called into oneness. And that oneness is within God. But to be within God and for God to be within you, it's a sacrificial process. Right? There is another part of it which is the harmony with one another. That is a command. Right? If you are part of the body of Christ, you are called to oneness, the one new man. Right? And that's something that you have to live in the faith, you have to be in Christ, and Christ has to be in you to continue to be in the body. When you're operating in the oneness of God, the glory will show in you and people will begin to believe because you will operate in the works that you're supposed to work. You will operate in the things that you are supposed to be operating in because you're part of that one new man. There's one thing that is interesting. Now, it's not to say that uh, if you go to the Arab world, right, it's not to say that they don't uh, disagree. There's Shiite Muslims, there's Sunni Muslims, they do disagree on how they believe, right? Even sometimes the Shiite tries to, I don't know which of the sect tried to you know, genocidally murder the other sect. But they do disagree. But there is one thing that I continuously see amongst them, no matter where you go, right? Is their hatred for Israel. It's their, they will say the same words, they will say the same thing. It's almost like it's one person that is saying it regarding Palestine and regarding Israel. There's no division. Barely, rarely will you ever see a, a Muslim stand up and so, suddenly start to shout, Israel deserves the right to leave. They just speak with one voice. The unity is just uncanny. It's, it's like it's one person who's talking to each and every one of them. Everyone I've seen Chances are that there might be some 
uh, offshoots who, you know, maybe they're not, they're not necessarily Muslims, uh, but there's pretty much oneness in their voice. Why is it not the same way with Christianity? Why is it that there's not oneness in the way we actually submit to God's will? That's because we have not come into complete oneness. It, there's division in the way we talk about how well, there's something that's called cessation, cessationist, cessationist. Is that what they call it? That the gifts of the spirit are no longer functional uh, in, in these days. How can you believe that kind of doctrine when there are people getting healed in the name of Jesus, where demons are still being cast out in places like India? How can you believe that the gifts of the spirit are not functioning anymore? How can you join such a bandwagon? That means you're saying that the Holy Spirit has no place in the... Then what is inside you? Right? If you say that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer operating in our generation, what is inside you? Because he says, I'll put my Spirit in you, right? And Jesus is saying that uh, uh, the, the Father in me, I in them, and they in us, what is inside you? If the Holy Spirit is in you, Paul says, if that same Spirit which gave life to Jesus from the dead lives in you, shall it also quicken your mortal bodies? Right? All right. Let's go to a couple of scriptures. 1 John 4, uh, verse, verse 10. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. John is telling us here that God loved us. Just as he loved the son, he loved us. He loved us so much that he sent his son and he killed his son for us and then raised him from the dead. Right? And Jesus is saying the same thing so that they can believe that you love them just as, as you love me. So you have to think about if God's love saved Jesus from, from, from the dead, right? If he resurrected him, we are part of that resurrected body. John 14, I'll go to John 14, 19 uh, through 24. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So are we remaining in the Father's love? Are we remaining in that oneness? That is the main question. Are we remaining in that oneness, in that unity that is in the Father and the Son? Are we abiding in that? 
Jesus says, the works that I do, they're not my own, but my Father's, right? And if you see in us and we are in them, he says, the same works which I do, you will do also, which means they are the works of the Father. And greater works than these will you do. So let's go to another uh, chapter, Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 22 to 28. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades. Now will you, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy. In your presence. So, how we, we had a class once when we were talking about why are people not operating uh, in the gifts of the, of the Spirit? Because Jesus says, greater works than these will I do, right? And the conversation was that it's sometimes it's unbelief, sometimes it's just being distracted, you know, by, by uh, the everydayness of life. I think that was the one of the comments that was made here. But we have to think about that living in that oneness because if you live in that oneness, the Spirit is going to be activated within you. And that activeness of the Spirit causes you to do the works of the Father. Right? Okay, so we also talked about uh, Exodus 33 where uh, um, Moses said, show me your glory. And Jesus prayed that, Father, I pray that they will be where I am and that they may behold my glory, right? And then Jesus also went on in John 14 to talk about the fact that um, he who loves me is the one who keeps my commandments, and I and my Father will come and will make our abode with him, right? So it is being in that love relationship with God that causes us to remain in the oneness of God. So I'll quickly pivot to um, the, the part of being in harmony. So like I said... This whole topic came because I was wondering, why is there so much disunity uh, in the church, in the body of Christ? You have to understand that first, there's two parts to it, right? The oneness, which is the body of Christ, that is something that you can call yourself a Christian, but whether you remain in that oneness is going to be up to you, right? How you love God, how you love his word, how you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. You have to remember that Jesus submitted himself to the Father, and that he submitted himself even unto death to the Father, right? And then, that's where the oneness comes into play. Loving God means submission to God, to the Son, right? Okay, so let's talk about being at peace with one another. That is the other side of it. Because a lot of the time when Christians dis, uh, you know, uh, disagree on certain subjects, it can be any subject. It could be on baptism. It could be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It can be just any kind of subject. Even Titan often causes division in how we 
actually um, uh, preach the gospel or teach the gospel, or even I think Sister Aisha, when you were talking about one somebody else who was preaching something the other day, and I asked you, is he Nigerian? You said he was African or something like that regarding the uh, covenant of salt. You know, putting putting salt in, in everything and how they perceive this this disagreement and, and division. It comes from personal processes. Right. So I wanted us to kind of I wanted her to teach on the covenant of salt because um, it, we're going to look at Mark chapter nine first, where Jesus talks about uh, be at peace with one another, have salt within yourself. Because mm-hmm. no, go on, go on. You can ask. It's okay. No, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted you to clarify something. Yeah. Oneness and harmony. Okay. Can we can we be in oneness as and not in harmony? That is so 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 you can be in oneness and this is what I was trying I'm trying to explain right now. Being in oneness means it's like being on on a vertical line, right? The, the vertical line means that you are in unity with God and, and the Son, right? You're within them and they're within you. It's like a ball, right? You can't you can't separate it. It's it's tightly it's tightly knit together. Like it's if I hold my fist like this, this is one fist. Right? It's not five fingers anymore. It's just one fist. You can't move out of that. Being in this harmony is like a, it's more of a horizontal approach, meaning that we can disagree from person to person, right? But the choice of harmony is a commandment. You have to make that choice of being in harmony with the person, right? So now, the point is that when you are in oneness with God and you are in oneness with the Spirit, the Spirit is going to reveal things to you, right? I'm going to use one example. Someone is having a, this is just a random example, not something I've experienced. Someone is having uh, difficulty in their life with managing hang- anger, right? But they're still in the body of Christ. They're still teaching the gospel, but they tend to overshadow other people's uh, opinion, right? Because they feel like, oh, this is what God is telling me, and that's what I have to say, Right um, now, the other person feels like there's a lot of doctrine in the in the scripture that doesn't support what you're saying. Right? Like, how about you think about this in a different approach? But that person chooses that no, this is what you know. This is what I have to teach. This is this is what I've given to teach. And a lot of the time, it's people who are leaders of churches that take that position. Right? Now, how do you be in harmony with that person? There is a part, there's a, there's a teaching where Jesus says that who is that uh, faithful servant who gives food to the, to, the, to the servants in their due season, right? If the, who is that wise servant whom his master sets over his household to give food to his, his, uh, his uh, servants and he finds doing so, he will put him over all his stuff. But if that servant decides to say, my master is taking long and he decides to eat and drink with the hypocrites, and, uh, you know, beats the, the, his fellow servants, what will that master do? He will come and put, cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites, put him in his place with the hypocrites, right? But the thing is, people don't realize that they are eating and, eat, eating and drinking with hypocrites, right? They could be preaching any doctrine. They could be preaching uh, the doctrine of uh, um, Come to Jesus and you'll be wealthy. You don't need to change your ways. There are people that speak different doctrines. There's even the ones that tell you that you can be gay and still serve God. You know? Um, 
But harmony means it's a command, right? Well, let's read Mark chapter 9 first, where he says, have salt within yourselves. Okay, Mark chapter 9, because it wasn't like the disciples weren't uh, disagreeing with each other. They disagreed, especially when uh, the mother of Zebedee and John and the other one, the twins, right? She says, put one on your right hand and put the other one on your left. And the other disciples, you know, they were, they were feeling like uh, they, they had indignation against them. And they were like, you know, who do you think you are that you want to have a, that kind of place in the, in the kingdom? And Jesus is telling them, be at peace with one another. All right, so Mark chapter 9 from verse 49. Let me try to find it. Quick, if somebody finds you within me, just feel free to read. For everyone shall be salted with fire. Is that? Yes. For everyone shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Mm-hmm. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, wherewith will he season it? Have salt in, have salt in yourself, and have peace. Before he tells you um, every sacrifice will be salted with fire. What does that mean? Mean live your life as a living sacrifice. Be willing to sacrifice your ego. Be willing to sacrifice your, your anger. Be willing to sacrifice yourself to the point where you're willing to even learn from a babe. It's a command to you to understand that the life that you're called into is one of constant sacrifice. And you cannot be at peace with other people, live in harmony without sacrificing yourself first. Sister Isimo told us that um, there, every covenant has a, a symbol. Was that how you used it? Was that the word you used? Everything has a symbol, right? The rainbow is a symbol for the... Uh, Noah, the covenant with Noah, circumcision was the symbol for the covenant with um, Abraham. What is the symbol for our covenant that is in Christ right now? The blood. He said, this is my blood, which is the, the, for the new covenant, for the forgiveness of sins, right? How do you, the, the blood does not come out until the person is dead. Which means his own symbol is sacrifice itself. So we have come into a covenant. When he says, I've given my covenant to David, a covenant of salt, that his, his uh, kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom. This is part of the same covenant that Jesus is talking about because he's the one who rules and reigns as that covenant forever. He is the king, the root of David that will reign forever. That salt covenant comes from him. And he's saying, my blood is now the new Symbol of this covenant is an extension of that covenant. So when he's saying have salt within yourselves, say understand that you are a valuable sacrifice. That salt, that covenant that, that, that is continuing forever, make sure you have it within yourself. Because if you become saltless and tasteless, you're good for nothing else. Every sacrifice will be salted with fire. Are you ready to go under the fire to bring yourself in harmony? Not, remember, it's a two-way thing. It's almost like a cross, right? First is unity with the Father and the Son. Submitting yourself unto God and the Son. Make sure that you are teaching His Word and not your own 
teaching. Not your own understanding. And then be in harmony with all the other believers. Right? And that means sacrificing your ego, sacrificing your self-made doctrines. Right? Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Uh, 16, we'll read verse 16 and we'll read verse 18. Again, if you get that before me, please feel free to read. No, verse 16, and then skip 17 and read 18. Or you can just read 16 to 18. Be of the same mind, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all, all men. Right? The thing is, so my friend who he argues with me, I asked him something. I said, are you going to hate me now? Because I am pro-Israel and you're pro-Palestine. And he says, never. <laughs> and I asked him, why do you say never? Then my sister is just like you. But he's not willing to sacrifice himself to the point where he submits himself to God. He's willing to be in harmony with me, just in every other subject, except the subject of Israel. Right? Now, does that, does that mean he submitted to God? Because I told him why I'm pro-Israel, right? I told him that the reason why I'm pro-Israel is because I'm submitting to God's word. This is what the scripture says. I can show you all the scriptures. This is what God's word says concerning this issue. So first, my first submission is to God, right? Then in everything that I discuss, I'm at peace with him. I'm in harmony with him, right? In everything else, except this one subject. But this one subject that we disagree on is the one subject where I am in, chosen to be in oneness with God, right? So how do you cross the threshold? It's in prayer. It's in prayer for people who have taken up a doctrine that is contrary to God's word. Right? Pray one for another. Huh? I said the doctrine of Balaam. <laughs> the doctrine of Balaam. Yes. It's very true. The doctrine of Balaam. The seductive doctrine that the world will, will entice you into. Okay, I'll read one more uh, scripture and then we'll try and wrap this up. But I want you, I want you guys to... Uh, since I said I raised a very, very great question that can you be uh, in oneness but yet be in this, this harmony, right? There's, I'm trying to remember the scripture where it says God is not the uh, author of, of confusion, right? There is no variation within him. So you have to understand that the submitting to the Spirit Submitting in oneness to God and letting God do the works within you, it produces fruit. And that fruit causes you constantly to be in harmony. It causes you to be in unity. Because remember, it is only after we come into complete unity that the world will not only know, but the world will believe. Because the whole point of our Discipleship is so that we can also replicate what our master did. Do the works, call others to redemption. Continuously, pre it's, like, it's like a domino effect or like a wave, right? 
You come into the faith, you send out the wave. You bring more into the faith, they come into the faith, they come into unity, they send out the wave. That is how we save the world. The, the, there's a phrase that the, that the rabbis and the, the Orthodox Jews, a lot of Jewish people use it, it's called tikkun olam, which means the repairing of the world. That we are called into a dark world to bring the light into the world. Right? Let's look at Matthew 5 from 13 through 16. The scripture that you just read, that Romans 12, verse 16 to 18. Oh, we're, we're going to Matthew 5, 13 to 16. But I want to really uh, say something in here. Um, there's something that, uh, is it, I think it's James. James says, he says, uh, why are you at war with one another? Is it James? James chapter 4? Let's see if I can find it real quick. Before we go into Matthew. I want to think it's James chapter 4, where he says, Why are you, you ask because, uh, and you do not receive, so because you want to spend it on your, on yourselves? Is it, is it James, right? Is it James chapter 4 or James chapter 2? Okay, yes, James chapter 4. So for, from verse 1, he said, from uh, verse 1, chapter 4, from verse 1, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lost and do not have. You murder and covert and cannot obtain. You fight a war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your, own desire, on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Right? A lot of the times we disagree on different things. If we submit to the word of God and we obey the teachings of Jesus, that's the first submission. That's the first oneness, right? There won't be no disagreement like things like cessationism. When I heard cessationism, I was wondering, then how are you a Christian if you, if you really believe that the works of the Spirit are over? How can you call yourself a Christian? Are you still in God in, at that point if the Holy Spirit is no longer at work in you? What are we teaching now? A very carnal Christianity? One that is driven by our own power? There's the, 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 the word that says, not by power, not by mind, but by my spirit, says the Lord. If the spirit in you, it shall also create works within you. Okay, I'll just finish with my Matthew 5, 13 <laughs> to 16. I, I'm sorry. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. This is, again, is probably a repetition of what we read in Mark already, right? You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is damn good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify. glorify your Father who is in heaven. We've been called to glorify Jesus. If you do not do the works which you have been called to do, which you can only do when you're in oneness with God and the Holy Spirit is in you, you cannot glorify the Father. And the world will not know, neither will the world believe. All right. Any questions? This is not a question, but um, because one of the things, our Father, that for us to actually glorify Jesus, mm-hmm. like He said, the way He glo- the glory he, he, he gave to His Father, yeah. we ought to understand that glory. Yeah, because yeah. the understanding will help us. And if you look in Christendom today, many of us do not. Even the preachers and all that, they do not understand that glory. Yeah. So, and I, my prayer is that we here will begin to understand the glory of Queen, in which Christ glorified the Father. Yeah. That, because that will make us to understand the works, the greater works we are supposed to do. So there's something that Jesus said in that John chapter 17. He says, I have glorified you, Father, by finishing the work which you gave me to do. The finishing part, which part was it? When he said it is done. It is finished. On that cross. How he gets to that cross. Like like a Paul. He says, I have finished. I brought you. I have won the race. Let the name of the Lord be blessed in now and forever. Father, we thank you. We bless your glorious and holy name. You are worthy of all glory and we worship you. We worship you, O God. We bow before your throne. Yes, Lord, thank you. Sometimes, I don't know how to Say the goodness of the Lord. You know, Moses, Moses, when he, he says to the Lord, Father, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. What did God say? I will cause my goodness to pass before you. Father, I pray that you will cause your goodness to pass before us. That we will behold your glory in a new way. That we will reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And we say, just like Jacob says, I will not let you go. Hold tightly to you, O God. Father, thank you for this hour. Thank you for your word. I ask, O God, that you will weather this word, that these words will be in our church and our lives. That you will help us to walk in oneness with you. Us in Jesus, Jesus in the Father, the Father in Jesus, Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit doing greater works. That your name alone may be glorified on the earth. That the earth may believe and know that you sent Jesus into the world. And that you have loved us even as you have loved him. Thank you for sitting, raising us up together with him and sitting us in heavenly places. And from this space, oh God, we operate in the works of the spirit. The works which you have given us. 
We worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are. Make your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Sister Gloria, can I give a prayer? Yes, yes. Let's um, just be, let's pray that even as we do the work of God, that we will not in our own become a castaway. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord. Paul says something that uh, I wrote with fervency so that when I'm done all this, I will not meet myself be, be cast off. So wrong with fervency the race that is set before you that you will not be, in the end, cast off. Lord, I surrender myself to you. I surrender myself to you. To walk in oneness with you. To be your own, O oh God. That in the end, I will not miss the mark. That in the end, O oh God, I will not be left behind. That in the end, O oh God, you will not throw me away. That I will not be as one of those who are picked up and cast into the fire. Father, I ask for your grace. I surrender to you, O oh God. I surrender at your feet, at the cross, O oh God. Here I am, take it all. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Take it all, Lord. You can have it all. You can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. Jesus, you can have it all. Amen. I surrender all. I surrender For the sake of the people who are online and on the podcast, we are uh, going to end the, the class here. And uh, for those of who are here in, in, the, in this place, let us continue in a space of prayer and worship before God for his goodness, his faithfulness, his righteousness, for who he is.